Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone. I'm Audra, your host of Women in the Arena podcast, where we celebrate women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. It's October, everyone. We've made it. We made it here together, and we're the home stretch of 2020. But we have a little bit more to go. So, to encourage everyone to keep pushing on for the month of October, each one of our episodes is going to be demonstrating how we can encourage, uplift, and cheer on other women on purpose. The women that I'm going to introduce you to are remarkable, extraordinarily talented, and I cannot wait for you to meet them. Thank you so much for continuing to join me on this journey. So let's start the show. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to introduce to to you my guest. Terry Short is joining me today, and she has spent her 30-year corporate career in both healthcare and hospitality, but her, more importantly, her superpower is leadership and coaching other leaders to their absolute maximum potential. She just recently published a book called The Words We Choose, Your Guide on How and Why Words Matter. That matters even more now than ever. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Terry Short. Terry, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you, Audra. It's my honor to be here. Well, I am really excited to talk to you. Uh, right now, you know, the environment and people saying words and whatnot. So your your book is timely, The Words We Choose. I mean, we've uh, we've often discussed that words are things, and you actually documented it. So tell us about The Words We Choose. Well, you know, it's interesting. I started writing the book just over a year ago. So it, you know, it took a year to get it together. And little did I know that this is where we would be a year later. Um, I did have the opportunity when it was coming to to a close in the spring to be able to weave in um, some additional information and tie back to to COVID and to um, racial injustice. And although the, there were components of that in the book already. Um, but anyway, yes, I, I, I didn't know. I have, it was, ends up to be very timely. And, you know, my initial desire was and is, remains, that changing the way we communicate and doing that one conversation at a time. There's a, a fantastic quote that I have in the book at the very beginning by a gentleman named Tom Kenyon. And he says, we are creating the world by how we speak to each other. Oh, wow. Never were such truer words spoken. And that, I mean, today, every day, the last six months, that is a huge example of that quote. Right. 
Yes. So tell me, so tell me, you, you've researched this and this was actually, like I said, very timely. Terry, tell me how your book about the words we choose, how does that tie back to our values? Yeah, well, it actually ends up that that's the place to start. And so in, in the book, I, I kind of take the reader on a journey from the words we choose for ourselves and then the words we choose with loved ones. That can be um, family patterns and such. And the words we choose with others at large, you know, in the world. And oftentimes that's with those who are unlike us. The words we choose at work and then the words we choose when we're not speaking, writing emails. Uh, social media, which is part of the, the issue we're grappling with today. And uh, then lastly, we wrap things up with the words we choose um, in the universe, with spirit, with God, um, prayer. And so all of that begins with our values. And when we consider that when we speak, if it, we were indeed being heart-centered, and I was speaking to you from my heart to your heart, and I was clear about my intentions for the conversation, then it would likely be a better conversation, right? So that I would lead with those values. Agreed. Agreed. If I could see your heartfelt message, then even if it was, even if it was hard to hear, it would probably be better received because it was done from a good place. Right. That's right. So I'll give you an example. My So if I have um, uh, the values of respect or being respectful, um, being of service to others, being honest, and someone asks me something and I'm not coming from a heart-centered place, you know, someone asked me, let's say, in today's crazy um, world, I might feel overwhelmed and someone asked me, you know, would you mind doing X, Y, or Z? And I say, oh, that works. Those are the words I choose. And I'm thereby not being valid. I'm not being respectful of them because that's not my truth. I'm not being respectful of my value of honesty. Right. Interesting. Can can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I think that we use that phrase that works a lot. Yeah, it's one of many. Um, let's say, um, you know, seemingly innocuous phase uh, phrases that we choose that have a could potentially have a greater impact than we suspect right so are we truly apathetic or are we not being aligned with our values so um there you know there there are endless ones i i might say well i don't really care or that's not really important or that works and and be offering to the other person something that is incongruent with my values as well as my intention wow I I'd, I'd never th- thought of it that way because that that the phrase that works I've actually uttered it myself um is almost a throwaway phrase. True. Yes. There are many of them. And it's the same as I have a section on that um you know monosyllabic responses and fine. Oh that's another one. Fine, right? And and even with children, you know, your your preteens and your teens, how you get away from those monosyllabic responses. And, and that's the way to do that is, again, you're true to your values. And then taking that up a few notches, you start to ask more powerful questions that really help to dig a little bit deeper and connect one's heart 
to another's. And that works for children. It works for other adults. And, and you know, it, it helps to lift others up. And I can give examples if you like. I would love that. I think that, that this is very educational and, like I said, timely on us trying to connect with other human beings. And, and especially right now, right now, all we've got is communication because we're not really seeing each other all that much. And so the words are, they're, they're powerful. So yes, please teach us how to be better at, at, at investigating. Oh, I, I was actually reflecting on this the other day. I was uh, coaching uh, one of my clients on resilience. And one of the key components of resilience is to focus on the positive. And I had, at the, that same day, I had reason to go back to the part in the book about the, the monosyllabic responses with our with our teens. And I started looking at the questions that I proposed. And I thought, I'm going to read you a couple of them. And I thought, gosh, if we only said these to each other, it would help with resilience as well. And so here are a few of them. Um, what's the funniest thing you did today? What would you change about today? What did you do today that may have made someone happy? How did you show your true self today? So those are the ones that, you know, again, they were geared towards our, our teens, but I started thinking how those might impact our colleagues, our, our friends, and, and help us have a much more uplifting conversation. You know, I don't think anybody has ever asked me, what's the funniest thing you've done today? And and if you asked me that, even if I was having a bad day, I think that I would probably giggle and stop and pause and smile because that automatically makes you feel better. Yes, absolutely. And we need more of that. We absolutely need more of that. I have a I have a, a great admiration um, for Marshall Rosenberg. He's a psychologist who speaks on nonviolent communication, which is absolutely what we need more of as well. And he asked his audience these, these couple of questions that I'm going to share um, very routinely. And he, he offers them as a bridge to communication gaps. How did you enrich another person today? What needs were met? How did this make you feel? Do you know of anything else? more fulfilling. Wow. And and that's in communication to, uh, as he's saying, nonviolent communication. It, it, is that for people that are at odds with each other or in a disagreement? Right. Well, potentially. It's to center oneself. It's to center oneself in the... Um, in the advent of such a conversation and when you're potentially rubbed the wrong way to center yourself and to position yourself in the positive and in the affirm affirmative before you speak. So uh, that, that was key that what you just said <laughs> is that center yourself in the positive and the affirmative before you speak, because I think that we have a tendency to just speak and let the words fly out of our mouths. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, you can't see me right now, nor can your audience, but I do this <laughs> hand gesture that I'll explain. But I feel very strongly that one is, is relatively connected to their values and what's in their heart. And then there's what's in their head and just, you know, 
solid thoughts, random thoughts, things from your past. And what happens is in a nanosecond, sometimes, sometimes it's a reflex and it's a trigger. There's a disconnect between what's in your heart and what's in your head and what comes out of your mouth, right? So what comes out of your Mm -hmm. mouth oftentimes isn't the the true connection of those two and therefore not heart centered. And there, therein lies a big problem of what's going on in the world. I, I propose Audra that we, there are a few things that we replace. We replace impulse with intention, right? So when we have an impulsive response and we, and we pause long enough to really consider our intention and that we replace along those same lines a reflex with reflect. And that would make a huge difference in how we communicate. So that would be that would help you connect what's in your head to what's in your heart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Can you teach us how to do those two things? Mm. Yes, indeed. So that's all about the reflection. And I was just asked recently about, well, what do you mean, Terry, about reflection? Like, you know, I, I, I meditate, I do periodic reflection. And I said, well, you know, this actually has to happen on many levels. There needs to be that, just as we have that nanosecond reflex, we need to learn to have that nanosecond reflection. So I'm going to reflect about my intention and my tied to my values before I speak. So that's in the moment. So it's much more of a practice of in the moment reflection. And then on a daily basis, and maybe it's post a meeting or post a call. How did that go? What could I have done differently? You know, how, how, what was, what were the impacts of my words, right? And, and really noodling on that to the extent that there's a learning involved. And so that's, you know, sort of, in the moment, then during the course of your day, and then absolutely in a in a more uh, let's just say you know meditative or a special time that you set aside, whether that's weekly or a couple times a week, to really pull together the the contribution that you're having in the world based on the words that you're choosing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that, that really, that just made my brain spark what you just said of, because in the beginning I said words are things and you just said, be sure to, to check what you're contributing to the world with your words. That's, that's a huge statement. And I had not thought of that. And I guess that is exactly why we have such confrontation and strife right now because the words that are being contributed to the wor- world right now are a lot of them are are negative. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take the the big one, the word hate. So yeah. um, we consciously chose not to use that word with our children as we were raising them. So we didn't we didn't use the word and we didn't allow them to use the word. And so, for example, we wouldn't say, I hate um, vanilla ice cream. And because I hate vanilla ice cream or I hate Brussels sprouts and, and the perpetuation of that thought process eventually leads to I hate Susan in my fifth grade class. Right. There's there. there it builds upon itself. And and if indeed we teach that there's no there's no need for that, 
it's not, it's the, it's that the word lends itself to a feeling and it lends itself to a bias and it lends itself then to an, an intention gone awry, let's say. And so if we remove that word, we're minimizing the chances that the thought process and then actually what's felt in the heart would, would go in that direction. So there, there's no, children aren't, they're not born hating anything, right? And so we right. introduce that to them and we do that by way of the words we choose. So you've removed the word, you, you consciously removed the word hate from your children's vocabulary when they were young. What did you replace it with instead to help them express the more appropriate emotion rather than this big, ugly, angry word that, like you, like the example that you used is I hate vanilla ice cream is a very quick, slippery slope down to I hate somebody in my class. What did you use as a replacement? Yeah, excellent question. So there's that's actually what gets us into teaching moments with our children. Well, easy enough to say, I dislike vanilla ice cream. It's not a flavor that, you know, it makes my mouth, what do you dislike about it? It makes my mouth feel funny, or it's not as interesting as the other flavors. I like when the lemon flavor makes me, you know, it's a it's tangy or what have you, right? So where it leads to where is that dislike coming from? So dislike is the actual word I replace with. But then let's dialogue about that. And, you know, to the level that it's meaningful, maybe you don't speak so much about the difference between vanilla and vanilla ice cream. But when I get to the place of I hate so-and-so in my fifth grade class, then, you know, that's where you're going deeper in that conversation. You know, first of all, we don't use the word hate. Let's talk about how you're feeling and what made you say that. And, and then if there is a dislike, where is that coming from? And, you know, then you're getting to the emotion of it because my contention is that hate isn't innately in one's heart. We put it there. And so what the conversation, what we're trying to do is draw out what is in their heart. And maybe the child's going to say, well, they hurt me. And they said this, or they did this and it hurt me and it embarrassed me. And then we're going to talk about how to undo that. And, and then, you know, Audra, from my perspective as starts with the children, because if we do that well, then we are actually building respectable, respectable discourse as we go. Perhaps we wouldn't be in this place that we're in right now. I I would agree. And, but in the place that we are in right now, because uh, Obviously, we can make changes to how we raise our children and with what words we we raise our children. But for the adults, the adults that are all of us are feeling something and something pretty significant. Uh, this year has been incredibly difficult, very, very difficult on all different levels, and we're all feeling at this feeling it at the same time, and it's creating so much negativity. How do we change our words so we can change the conversation and change the narrative that we're having right now where every, it seems like every single conversation has to be an argument. And I don't believe that it does. I just believe that we need to make better choices. So for the adults in the room, how do you help us get over this? 
You know, absolutely. It's a, it's a big question. So, you know, when you were speaking, it made me think of, we say that the first thing I want to, used to want to say is, well, choose your battles. You know, people always say that, choose your battles, right? In, in these difficult conversations. And instead, I'd love when people replace that with choose your words, right? So if I'm going to choose my words and not think of it in the first place as a battle, What first comes to my mind is what purpose does this serve? So I want to be honest. Occasionally, it doesn't serve any purpose to engage in a social media post interaction or um, even engage in a conversation where you know that there won't be a middle ground because you've been in that conversation before. And so even though we want to... um, go into combat with our words. Um, Perhaps the outcome isn't what you would desire. And and you know that straight up front. So what purpose does engaging serve? So I would always ask that question first. However, sometimes people ask that question and they say, oh, yeah, it serves no purpose. We're going to go down this road. I give up. And that's not the point either. So that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you assess the purpose and, and how this ties to your intentions. And then you go into the conversation, choosing your words well. And the way to do that is to lean on the, the, the word I, as opposed to the word you. So if I'm having a disagreement with you, I might say things like, I'm curious, uh, what leads you to believe that? Or um, I'm grateful for your candor. May I share my values or may I share my opposing views? So I'm not uh, speaking about you so much, which can be uh, implied judgment and blame, and it can make things a little more supercharged. So putting it, putting it really, entering the conversation with words that show your ownership, help me understand right? And, and I'm curious, and I would like to know more about is the better way to approach those types of conversations. And eventually you might say, how can I redirect or terminate a, harm, a harmful conversation? And it, still you're having the ownership of staying true to your values, showing up, and also then um, not being combative so much, but standing firm in what you believe in. I believe in this, or I truly value X. Help me understand how this aligns with your thoughts or so on and so forth. Now, I mean, that's a great example from when you're in a reactive situation, which uh, we're in a lot of reactive situations right now. But building upon the idea of what you are contributing to the world with your words, what can we do and say to be proactive, to contribute good words, uh, good energy, good things with our word choices to the word. How do we to the world? How do we how do we create positivity on a proactive basis? Absolutely. So that's ah, oh, that's the way to go. Is how can we put more out um, to our friends and family to our social media followers, you know, in a conversation with others. So what that, so you're with a keyword that you use there was proactive. And so how frequently do we reach out to others to compliment them, to 
um, to share with them something positive that happened today. So how do we fill the world with um, positive intentions and and thing, you know, not Pollyanna. I mean, I hear myself saying that and it's not Pollyanna. It's it's coming from the heart and outlining for others, especially particularly those who you care about, uh, what it is that is happening that's going right in the world and that's going well that one can hold on to. So part of that, Audra, is listening. So really turning up the dials on one's active listening, because when we're active listening better, then we're able to respond and move the conversation into that more heart-centered and positive route. So some of the key things for listening is to really practice that pause and giving the other person absolutely as much time as they need to fill in the space and adding phrases such as, I hear you, I'm listening, I want to fully understand, maybe even uh, do you mind if, if I ask some clarifying questions, and and owning the ability to move things towards the positive. That's our ticket. That That is what we need to do more of. Um, and I'm going to ask you a tricky question. And the tricky question is, is because it's very delicate and it's very sensitive, we we have family and friends all around us right now that, you know, we're all supercharged where our, our emotions are on our, on our fingertips and on just on the surface of our skin. And we, there may be situations where we are have differences of opinion and we disagree with each other. And rather than it become an argument how do we proactively and respectfully acknowledge each other's point of views, even if they're different? Right. Well, I mean, some of those things I just said, I think would work there too. I hear you. I hear you. And I understand that that's your position. And um, I hope that you can understand that this is mine, right? So you're you're acknowledging the very at the very minimum you're acknowledging, and it, it doesn't mean you have to agree. Um, I believe that what's happened in the last several, several years is that um, we got so deep into this discourse that we didn't we have lost the value of agree to disagree, right? Um, we're we're so fired up, as you say, and so energized by this that we don't want to do that. You know, we want to go beyond and help another understand our point of view. In doing so, we're judging. It's as simple as that. You know, if I'm not able to accept that this is this person's position as as completely wrong as I might have think might think that it is, if I'm not able to be accepting, then we will never get there. If I can't say that I hear you and I'm listening and tell me more, then the discourse never happens. You know, I believe that view you know acknowledging someone's different point of view than my own absolutely broadens my my own thinking and mm-hmm. I, I also believe that sometimes the greatest ideas have come from people that have oppo- opposing views uh i just think like you said we've forgotten the beauty of being different and accepting that uh that's why i think it's important that we are careful and thoughtful in how we are 
communicating with each other and truly, as you said, listening and actively listening. Okay. Uh, go, I go ahead, Terry. If I choose, if I choose the, the combative route and the accusatory route and the judgment route, it gets me back to that first question I always ask myself, what purpose does it serve? And I can't think of one. I can't think of one at this point that the combative route serves any purpose whatsoever. If we back up, take the long pause, (laughs) really get more heart centered, have those reflective moments, like where we're really reflect, reflecting on where we are and who we are and what our values are, we're going to show up in a better place in those conversations. Well, you know, I know that we're all actively listening right now, uh, but some of us will be able to grasp this like right away. Others of us are going to need a little bit of practice. So help us guide uh, uh, just some simple steps that we can do initially, because uh, learning something new is always uncomfortable because it's you don't know what you're doing. But give us some simple steps that we can do to practice so we can get better with our with our intent and with our expression of our emotion through our words? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So that's actually in the book that I wrote. That's how I set it up. There's a concept and then there's a reflection and then there's an activity that's sort of, you know, noodle on this and now say it differently, right? And that, that's how we learn as adults. That's how we learn. So I would say along those same lines, I'll sort of pull this together. When I was speaking about having those moments of reflection. So in the moment, periodically throughout the day, and then sort of big picture throughout your week. It's very important to ask yourself a couple of key questions. Here's where the learning comes in, right? So I'm always going to ask, what went particularly well? What will I do differently in the future? And why, right? What impact did my words have on the other? And that's what's going to lead me to what I might do differently. So these aren't in any particular order. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and how could I show up more in tune with my values? I'm always sort of looking for that learning. And so if I ask myself those questions, that's part of that reflection. Ask myself those questions, then I have to bring it full circle and say, I commit to, even I might say, I commit to trying this. I commit to trying to use I statements as opposed to you statements in the next conversation I have with a loved one. I commit to trying whatever it is that I, when I reflected, whatever I decided I learned, now I'm going to say I commit to at least trying to have a five second pause before I uh, speak on impulse or on reflex. So that, you know, along those lines, so, so do the, do the reflective questioning of yourself and then take what the learning is and turn those into a few commitments. Not, you know, don't make it huge. You can't, you can only change so many things at once. And so what are the couple of things that you're going to practice doing differently? It takes 21 to 27 days to change a habit. So it's a commitment. That's a big deal. Uh, and I, I'm glad that you put that out there and said, you know, you you got to commit to this. And because we've become, we've gotten into habits and not all good ones. So it's a commitment to yourself and to those around you to be more 
thoughtful, reflective, and have more positive intent on what you're putting out in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to I'd like to bring up something that uh, is really makes a huge difference. It it, twi- it uh, pivots us a little bit from this part, but I think it's really important to get us all to a place of more gratitude, right? And it, one of the things that really helps with that, it's a really easy word change to contemplate. And that's the, the fact that we talk a lot about what we have to do. I even saying I have to speak to my loved one who, you know, has this different political, <laughs> right? We have to this, we have to that. And we live in that world of have to these days. It's really important that we start to reframe to understand some of the things we get to do, particularly in this COVID environment. There are things that are frustrating, but when one really does, uh, has some true reflection on what's going well in their world, they get to they under, get to understand what they get to do. And then that brings on more gratitude and it puts us in a more heart-centered place. So, you know, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, I get to help my neighbor uh, trim their hedges this weekend, as opposed to, I have to help my neighbor trim the hedges this weekend. And it starts to help me understand that I'm capable of doing that. One of my values of is being of service to others and community. And I get to fulfill those values by doing this action. When we start operating in that space and using such words for ourselves, our internal dialogue, as well as our external dialogue, then we're going to lead ourselves to a more positive discourse. That That is... That is so meaningful to me that we just change that simple phrase of I have to, to I get to, because then it becomes a privilege, if you will, rather than an obligation. And that that shifts your entire emotional and physical stance. It, just saying it out loud, you you, you stand differently. You think differently your your mouth kind of just generally goes into a natural smile when you say i get to rather than i have to um what a, what a what a huge value statement so thank you for giving us that directive i think of if you know all of these concepts they're all very doable but i think maybe the one to start with if you're like gosh this is just sounds so hard just change it to I get to rather than I have to. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yourself that um, having these difficult conversations sometimes are with ones that are unlike you, people that have you know differing opinions that you learn from them. You know, you mentioned a while back that you you know that's how we learn from each other. And so reframing that that I I, I get to enter this difficult conversation and learn a different perspective, and I possibly get to learn something about myself and how I react. And, and um, you know, what some of my triggers are and what some of my go-to words are and how I might reframe those. Terry, that is, that is so helpful. Uh, it is definitely helpful in this time of discourse. Uh, I am very grateful, number one, that you took the time to research and write a book such as this that gives us an actual guide on how to change the the direction not only for ourselves but for those around us and and I thank you for being here today to help us because 
the year's been hard Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's going to get any easier, but perhaps by choosing different language that we can help each other get through this a little bit easier. No, absolutely. Well, it's been my honor to be here and to share some of these thoughts with you and your audience. Well, I appreciate you doing that, but I'm not going to let you run away quite yet. So I have a couple of things to ask you. And I have been changing up the questions because everybody's been studying and being ready with the answers. And so I'm I'm mixing it up on you guys. So uh, are you ready, Terry? I am. Okay. Bring it on. So... First question for you is, what would you say to your 25-year-old self? Choose better words. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, that was perfect. <laughs> Start with be more aware of the words you're choosing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that, is, that, that was perfect. Yeah, and I would say, Audra, specifically for the, my 25-year-old self, Be much more aware of the words you're choosing for your own inner narrative, right? I like to say that your voice is a choice, and that very much applies to the one that that sort of um, playlist that goes through your head at all times of the day. So choose better words for yourself. Oh, yeah. Sometimes that is the loudest voice in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that I wish I had done that at 25 as well. So we talked about uh, what you're putting out in the world. So my question for you is, what is it that you hope that you leave behind? Mm. Well, you know, I, I want to change the world by way of how we communicate. So that's my, that's my very lofty goal. <laughs> so I, I, I would, would like to have an exponential um, impact on how we communicate one conversation at a time. Well, I have very lofty goals. As you know, I created an entire podcast to change the world one interview at a time. So thank you for helping me with that initiative as we join forces to help change the world in in our own little special way. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. So I have a one final question for you. Uh, question is, since you coach leaders... What skill is it for you, your personal opinion, what skill is key for female leaders to have? Oh, I think I'd have to go with self-awareness. You know, that's a, it's such a foundational skill. When we have good self-awareness, it, it um, informs how we treat ourselves as well as how we treat others and, and how we lead. So I'm, I'm going to go with self-awareness. And it's a key component of emotional intelligence. I, I like that idea. I like that skill, self-awareness, because that ties into everything we've all been speaking about, the words we choose, the words that we put out uh, from ourselves, and what we say to ourselves. And that all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, before we go today, will you please give everybody your website and let us know how we can get in contact with you. Absolutely. Happily. Um, it's shortgroup.net. And my email is Terry, which is spelled T-E-R-R-E at shortgroup.net. And right now, if you subscribe, you are actually giving them a special gift. 
I am. I would like to offer the first chapter of my book to anyone who goes to shortgroup.net and subscribes. It's easy peasy. You just put your name and email and the an email comes immediately to you with the first chapter. Thank you for that generosity. I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, your your book is timely, and it, it'll be thoughtful and helpful for all of us. Before we close out, Terry, what is a final statement from you to the audience? Hmm. I would say yours is the voice of humankind. All of ours are. So let's use them well. Thank you, Terry. Thank, Thank you for you. being here today and, and sharing yourself with you with us. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. It's been my pleasure and honor. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next time. That's our show. Before I let you go, I have some business that I need to get to. First, I want to thank my guests. I am continually awed at your generosity of spirit and the vulnerability that you continue to bring to our conversations. To you, my audience, you are incredible. Thank you for growing with me, and I hope that I continue to exceed your expectations. And to my team that helps me pull this off every single week. To our composer, Star Diva, who is amazingly talented. To Alan Bruckner, our graphic designer. Thank you for taking my crazy ideas and giving it life. To Savannah Boster, our social media manager, you do this so much better than I ever could. And last, but certainly not least, our producer, my number one son, Gavin Agan. Thank you for supporting your mom with her dream. I couldn't do this without you, kid. Please follow us on our socials at Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at arena underscore women. See you next week. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womenintheArena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.